We are a people that follow after those things that make for peace, love, and unity. Chapter 1, Section D. Righteousness, Holiness, and the Power of God. Lewis Benson, in his Catholic Quakerism, examined George Fox's understanding of God's call to righteousness. Benson begins by contrasting two Christian ethics, or ways of looking at what is expected of a Christian. Here we quote from Benson's Catholic Quakerism. The ethic of idealism starts with ideal social ends or goals, and it sees religion as a force leading to the realization of these goals. The Christian idealist sees morality as the struggle to attain moral goals, and he finds a gap between the ultimate moral good and the Christian's present ability to live up to it. This approach takes for granted that there can be an unresolvable tension between what a Christian knows he ought to do and what, in fact, he's able to do. The ethic of obligation, on the other hand, sees right action as a response to God's command. It begins with the assertion, He has shown thee, O man, what is good. Fox's Christian ethic is an ethic of obligation, not an ethic of idealism. The call to righteousness is a call to do something or to refrain from doing something, and that which the eternal voice commands is never beyond our power to obey. This leaves no room for the plea, I know what God wants me to do, but I have not the power to do it. The choice is between obedience and disobedience. Pennington says, as the soul in faith gives itself up to obey, so the power appears and works the obedience. The power never fails the faith. This belief that Christ teaches us the principles of God's righteousness and gives us the power to obey them is the greatest single factor in the formation of the Quaker character. Fox says, This way of holiness that the prophets prophesied is of Christ Jesus, the way. And he observes that the call of God is that which all may walk in holiness as become the house of God. This concludes the Benson quote. The Apostle Peter advised Christians to be holy in all your conduct, referring to an Old Testament command from God, which was, Be holy, for I am holy. To be holy is to be fully obedient to God, to live in God's righteousness through His power. When we are holy, we have consecrated ourselves and all we do to the purposes of God. We live each day guided by God, not by the values and ways of the world. We live according to our Lord's teaching and direction. Thomas Evans, a 19th century Philadelphia friend, described early friends emphasizing their holiness and obedience to God. We will now finish this section and chapter with Evans's description of these early friends. A distinguishing trait in the character of the primitive friends was the earnestness with which they enforced, both by example and precept, the indispensable obligation of a life of holiness and fear of God. While they felt the necessity of having a sound and firm belief in all the doctrines of Christian religion as set forth in the Holy Scriptures, they were also convinced that unless this belief 
was carried out in the daily walk and conversation, and accompanied by those fruits of the Spirit that are evidence of true faith, as well as the ornament of the Christian, it would be of little avail. Recognizing in its full extent the declaration, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And the test laid down by the Savior of men, By their fruits ye shall know them, as well as his solemn words, Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that do the willeth of my Father which is in heaven. They were concerned to warn all against the delusive notion that men might live in sin, and in their indulgence of their carnal wills and appetites, and yet be saved by a professed dependence on what the Lord Jesus Christ has graciously done in his flesh for the redemption of all mankind. They were a plain, practical, self-denying men and women, deeply and earnestly engaged to walk in the obedience of faith to all the requirements of the divine law. And, as their minds, being enlightened, from on high to see the true spiritual nature and the transforming effect of religion and the gospel, they apprehended that many of its professors were resting their hopes of salvation on a mere assent of understanding the truths recorded in the Holy Scriptures and in the compliance with outward ceremonies, without bringing forth those good works which were before ordained that we should walk in them. The inward life of righteousness in the daily fear of God being the greatest object of their earnest concern and engagement, both for themselves and others, they called on their hearers to come home into their own hearts and examine, in the light that Christ gives, whether they were clean and pure or defiled and unholy. With no less earnestness, they pressed upon all the necessity of a close attention and obedience to the teachings of the Spirit of Truth in the heart, as the great enlightener and sanctifier of man, and his guide in things pertaining to salvation, as the true light by which everyone might come to see his own state, as seen by the searcher of hearts, and be shown the way to come out of the thraldom of sin into the glorious liberty of the children of God. They invited men to come to and believe in Christ Jesus the Lord, not only as testified of in the Bible as the Redeemer, mediator and intercessor with the Father for the lost fallen man, but also as he reveals himself in the heart by his Spirit as the true light, showing man his undone condition in the fall, and the means by which he may be brought out of it by being born again of the Spirit, and also as a swift witness against evil and a comforter for well-doing. Esteeming this knowledge as the very essence of true religion, they dwelt much upon it, in their ministry and writings, and even in their dying sayings, enjoined it on their hearers as the first importance to all who hoped for salvation. We are a people that follow after those things that make for peace, love, and unity. It is our desire that others' feet may walk in the same. We do deny and bear our testimony against all strife and wars and contentions. This podcast has presented a portion of the book Traditional Quaker Christianity. The book was assembled and edited by Terry Wallace, Jack and Susan Smith, and Arthur Burke.
It was read by Chip Thomas and the audio edited by the same. The music was provided by Paulette Meyer. Paulette's music is available at paulettemeyer.com.